Hey, Nora. Hey, Sandy. Last week we made a prediction that our elections were really boring. <clears throat> <laughs> and I, I really don't like eating shit, but... <laughs> you don't have to eat too much shit on this prediction. I mean, the prediction was a fair prediction. We didn't see what was coming. Coming. <clears throat> okay, but before we get into it, should we, um, should we shout out some of our patrons? our new patrons from this week yeah i mean people are responding like really amazingly to the show and so thank you so 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 much for that um and i mean just in the past a uh, couple of days even um i want to shout out folks who've donated to us for the first time or who've changed their donations so thank you so much to sam to raiden mike jillian crystal and um froggy bear jamie and nicole Nicole, maybe we caught you last week, but we'll say again if we did anyway. So thank you so, so, so much. Your um, your support means a lot to us, um, literally, because, you know, it helps us pay for hosting and the website and transcriptions and our equipment. So um, you make this possible. We sound good because of you, and we couldn't do it without you. So thank you. Thank you. And no thanks to the current Canadian government. <laughs> 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 You're like, just, we need to get into this. I, I want to also remind people, October 12th at the Tarragon Theater, oh, yes. we're doing a live show. Oh, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll link it to this episode. It's linked to last week's episode as well. And you have to get tickets. I think the tickets are actually going pretty quickly. So make sure you do get your tickets. They don't cost anything. They're they're just for capacity. So see you in a couple weeks, Toronto. Sandy, take it away. <laughs> so... Some things happened this week. <laughs> and yeah. I have some things to say about them. No. <laughs> A few things. Okay. So obviously you have all been waiting, I'm sure, waiting. Like, Sandy, Nora, what do you feel about this? And if you follow me on Twitter, uh, you'll note that my Twitter engagement has gone up significantly because it was like my only outlet. <laughs> I was like, I got to wait until Sunday to talk to Nora about this. So let me just remember that Twitter exists and just say all the things that are on my mind. But it wasn't all the things that are on my mind because I I only engage in Twitter in like a ridiculous way. Here I will try to be less ridiculous, but it might be difficult. So Justin Trudeau. Canada's prince, America's darling, the world leader that everybody wants to call Bay, everyone but uh, the two women hosting this podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, he turns out, turns out he is not all that he portrayed himself to be, which is such a shock to not me, I don't know, I don't know who hasn't been paying attention, but I, you know, I, if you go back <laughs> to when he was elected in our podcast, I bet we say some shit about uh, him being this kind of guy. We we probably didn't say, you know, he, there's probably some blackface photos uh, uh, that he's in somewhere in some yearbook, but we probably made allusions to him being this kind of guy because it's so obvious. It's so obvious. So a lot has been said in the last few days, and I do want to uh, try to 
like put a spin on this that is not something that people have read in the last few days? Well, there has been a lot said and a lot of it's been really good and some of it's been really bad. And uh, we are already into a new Mm -hmm. news cycle. And so, you know, while this felt like it was the biggest news, we can't believe it. And so many people are surprised. And by the way, like if you're surprised, you need to sit with yourself for like two hours and wonder why, because you shouldn't be surprised by this news. And so this is going to not probably define next week. Next week will be a completely different issue. Yes. Which says a lot. (laughs) And people have been working very hard to make this not matter and to make this go away. And so I think for for our task, I think, in this show is is to explain what does this expose about who we are as Canadians? What does this expose about the big liberal lie? I mean, we have a category on this on this podcast called liberal schemes. And fuck, like, doesn't it just feel like this is kind of a scheme? <laughs> like such a scheme. Like, I feel like someone's laughing somewhere in in their like comms room. Like, yes, we're almost through you guys. We totally we totally made it through. This is this was easy. Don't worry. We're on track. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know? Exactly. Because all you had to do was 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 make a genuine apology. And that was enough for all of the liberal voters and activists and people who are directly involved with the party to say, he's apologized, let's move on. And of course, everyone has said that in a different way from the liberal side, either this is so bad, but he's not a bad person. This is so bad, but Sheer is worse. This is so bad, but... And okay, I actually, like, let's pause there for a second because I do want to talk about that. I want to talk about this this idea of an apology. I did a couple interviews this week because, you know, the Canadian media and uh, some of the American media remembered that there are black and brown people in Canada who are writers and thinkers and were like, oh, my God, let's call them. (laughs) So, you know, I did a couple (laughs) interviews this week and and, um, we're also smart on other things, just so you know. And the uh, (laughs) one of the things that uh, that was a consistent question in these interviews was, "Okay, but he apologized. And so now what? Mm. And like, I haven't seen anybody interrogate this uh, quite in a piece. So I want to talk about this. Like the idea that an apology then puts the onus on the person who was wronged or on the community that was wronged to then um, set the stage for what should happen next is correct. It's like, yeah, we, we should set the stage. But the expectation that people are placing on that community is what else do you want that's the question that is the motivation behind the question of what comes next after an apology it's not a genuine hey community what else uh, needs to happen for us to really address what's going on with black and brown communities in Canada that's not what people are talking about they're like he apologized what else do you want what sort of the self immolation do you want him to do in order to move past Mm. this and isn't it isn't it fascinating that that is the first question that comes to mind for so many people is how does he get past this rather than how has he hurt you uh, to a community like that to me is like so fascinating how the idea of an apology Um, has warped what we think about accountability. 
because apologies have become a script in this formula of, okay, I've done something wrong. Now I know I need to do a public apology to get it out of the media as quickly as possible. Like that's what's happening. It's not, it's not a, like a genuine mea culpa or anything like that. And so what that does is it twists the onus of like who need who is really holding us up here it's not Justin Trudeau it's these communities who just can't get over it and it's like so disgusting that apologies have been warped to be that yeah I think that it's a really white way of thinking about individual relationships that has that has kind of created this narrative because for so many of us these these relationships are transactional and so if I wrong you, I can apologize and, and absolve myself. And then that's that's the end of what is expected of the person who's in the wrong. Rather than asking the broader questions like, well, where does the campaign go from here in terms of its commitment to black and brown uh, communities and people in Canada? Or can we interrogate things that have happened in the past with Justin Trudeau with this knowledge and think maybe one of the biggest problems with the Liberal Party of Canada is that they are so goddamn cynical in how they use identity and how they use people to try and and hide the the policies that they have which are actually bad in a lot of in a lot of circumstances in a lot of cases I mean I don't know. Did you catch the current with uh, with L. Jones the other day? It is the one current I didn't catch, but Ooh. I will because I know that it's good. So I will be listening to it. Yes, it was. It was. It was a definitely worth listening to. It was. It was L. Jones and Kamal Al Salehi, who's a professor at the, at uh, Ryerson University, and for some reason, for the first time fucking ever, the current was hosted by Rosemary Barton, who is dangerously unqualified oh. to talk about this topic. And Bizarre. and so L was pulling the conversation back to where it needed to be the the systemic the the structural not asking what next what else does Justin Trudeau need to do or is he really a racist or not which is like oh my goodness people like can we think a little harder please mm-hmm. and 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 L referenced the fact that under Trudeau we're increasing deportations in Canada. Mm-hmm. Barton cut her off and said, no, the deportations are increasing because there's been an influx of refugees and then pivoted the the conversation to Kamal. And that was it. Wow. Which is not true, which is factually not true. Like Elle does this work all the time. She knows what she's talking about. And I I wouldn't expect her to jump back in and and correct the host because it's like the dynamics in that situation are difficult. And you're trying to stay on top of a lot of different points and get them out in, you know, three minutes or four minute sound bites. But Mm -hmm. the fact that Barton was like, oh, no, no. And then repeated what is effectively a far right lie that we've got this this spike in refugee asylum claimants which is like true, but the spike's not actually that high if you look at historical trends. And then under the guise of being welcoming and open to the world, Justin Trudeau is increasing deportation amounts by 35, up to 35%, which puts it back to where it was under, under Stephen Harper, and which is not a response to the number of people come in. That is a percentage, which is a higher percentage than it had been. It's just it's this kind of stuff that that Canadians really need to ask themselves. Does it fucking matter if Justin Trudeau seems nice and seems with it and seems like he's not racist and seems like he's not sexist? Or is that a complete distraction from what the real issues are, which is that the Liberal Party of Canada 
is maintaining a system that subjugates people, that requires people to be subjugated to continue to operate. If you want to look at resource extraction and, and, and their purchase of, uh, of Trans Mountain Pipeline. And all we have are journalists who are able to ask the most basic question like, OK, so he's apologized. Now what? Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I just kept thinking back to that photo of all of uh, the press on uh, Justin Trudeau's like campaign train or plane, the liberals campaign plane. And I'm just like, none of these people are going to know um, or remember some of the very important issues that have been affecting black and brown communities in this country uh, to be able to throw that into the question mix, which is like, OK, Justin Trudeau participates in this super racist cultural like expression of anti-blackness, right? Which informs like how he feels about uh, black and brown people. Like some people may not believe that, but it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. There is a record that shows that that is the case. Like what's fascinating about all this is like, you know, he puts on this costume, but he's been like wearing black and brown and indigenous people as a costume as part of his brand for like forever like yep. <laughs> he yep. he puts he uses these communities and the liberal party uses these communities as a cloak um, there's a article that came out today where a former former liberal staffer uh, reveals that they used to talk about um, uh, communities uh, of of color as ethnic vote banks and that he had to leave because of the way that he felt that um, he was being tokenized and uh, how racist they were at the top of the liberal party. It's like, folks, mm -hmm. this is not this is not some weird one off. And the the uh, the evidence of that is everywhere. The other thing that I was hearing a lot in some of these these questions that people were asking was like and related to the apology thing is like, isn't this just cancel culture? Like, if, mm. if, if, like, we get rid of Justin Trudeau, Canada's prince, like, isn't that just, like, getting rid of, of, of someone for no reason, not, not actually looking deep into who he really is and uh, just, like, canceling him undeserved because of something he did so long ago? Like, 2001 was... <laughs> such a racist time you know and nobody really <laughs> knew nobody knew in 2001 what blackface really was like oh so wild some of these things that people are saying yeah and uh, to me it's like when i hear these discussions about cancel culture what i'm hearing people really want is they want like a simple formula that helps us decide when we can get over something that somebody has done that may or may not be reprehensible and an objective formula that we can apply to all situations, right? Like that's what I'm hearing people want. It's like, what do you want? But I need people to understand that these issues are contextual and complex and there will never be a simple formula for something like this, whether someone should be forgiven or not like that's it shouldn't be the question but given that so many people are thinking about it like I just want you to think about it this way like this is complex there is a history of decisions that the liberal party under this leadership and previous leaderships have made that make it very very clear that this is not just about 
forgiving someone who made a simple mistake one time. I want to remind folks who a lot of people keep reminding me, you know, he's so good on refugees. That policy changed when the majority of refugees started to become black, when they were Haitian. All of a sudden, the doors to Canada started to close. Okay, like I I want people to remember that he appointed Bill Blair, notoriously anti-black police chief from Toronto to his cabinet. And Bill Blair was speaking just last week as he tried to do his pivot around how he's not anti-black and changed the channel when he announced his uh, criminalization of gun possession uh, in, in Toronto, in the Danforth area. It's like there's there's a history of things that this government has done under his leadership. And I just named two. There's so much more and way more on the indigenous file as well. Like this is consistent. And so if if this is a cons- if this like is consistent with his previous engagement that treats black, brown, indigenous people as lacking full humanity, then why would you even ask the question? What we were being asked to believe before was that, oh, you know, like, uh, he had to change these policies uh, because there's too much and just wait, he'll he'll change these policies around um, uh, policies in the north with indigenous folks later. Like, we just need to wait and all of that, like, you know, we're being told that he, he's truly a good person and we just need to wait. Well, now we have some proof that perhaps that's not what's actually happening. Perhaps we're just the lowest priority that he has. And quite frankly, I don't know why we would do any more gymnastics to try to absolve this man of what has been a consistent pattern of engagement with communities of color. Yeah, the bigger problem, I think, is that when you start to even go out from him to his inner circle, to other ministers who he's very close to, this pattern is, like, consistently there as well. And so I think for people who are like, oh, my God, there's an election and I have to park my vote somewhere, it's really difficult to uh, appreciate just how deep the rot does go within the Liberal Party and then reconcile that with their fear that Andrew Scheer might win. Which is a, a differently rotten party, right? And I, I, like when you were talking, I was thinking about, especially about about what Trudeau and Bill Blair have done in their hypocrisy. I was thinking about a speech that I was just at of uh, Christia Freeland, who who was like, <laughs> first of all, I have a very hard time listening to her because I, I I actually want to like put forks in my in my ears when I when I listen to her talk. She was like trying to explain that the liberal order is crumbling and that we need to fight for the middle class and this is what the 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 liberal party of canada is going to do with no sense of irony that the liberal party of canada has played a massive role in why there is a crisis of affordability why there is a, a crisis of home ownership why there's a crisis of of um like fuck you can name so many things that have been that have been just pounding canadians regardless of the class that they're in and and of course it's been hurting people who have less money and she's just like yeah so we're gonna fight that and it's like you're also selling weapons to saudi arabia you're also intervening in venezuela you're also chummy with bolsonaro like sorry but we can fucking see we see this 
And so when when I saw so many people surprised about the 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 pictures with Trudeau, I was wondering like maybe people still haven't seen enough behind that mask, behind what the Liberal Party is really actually trying to accomplish. Well, I mean, of course not. Like <laughs> the media has been a partner of the Liberal Party in all of this. Like Time Magazine broke this story. Time Magazine? It was incredible. <laughs> like oh my goodness. It's it's absolutely incredible that it was Time Magazine. So much of what you're talking about are just small stories in the milieu that is the Canadian media landscape. It's like why 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 are people surprised? It's because we haven't been really delivered the truth on some of this stuff. Like, I mean, if you're Sandy and Nora, right? Like, and you're like mm-hmm. looking for it because you know it's there. Um, yeah, we can find it, right? <laughs> but it's it doesn't make massive news that these are decisions that our government uh, uh, are, is making that hurts these communities. And so, yeah, I think that that's right, that people haven't really seen behind the mask. Well, let's talk about, like you mentioned, people who are like, um, like, uh, but the alternative, sheer, there's nothing we can do, but we we must forgive Trudeau because otherwise we get the worst alternative, which is sheer. Let's talk about the sheer mongers. <laughs> that's a good line. That's a good little word. I liked it too. Thanks. I, you know, one of the things that's also kind of occurred to me in the last couple of days is the reality that I think, I think that the honeymoon about Trudeau and who he is and all this kind of stuff is pretty much gone, right? That if people were voting for Justin Trudeau in 2015, that is not the narrative that is emerging in this election, that people are going to be voting liberal because uh, either they're voting strategically or because they are liberal or whatever, but it's not actually because of Justin Trudeau, which then means that when he has a transgression like this, it's kind of easy to ignore because you never, you were never really voting for him in the first place. But this this goes back to something that we've talked about a lot on the show, which is that at the end of the day, these both parties need to be fought. <laughs> both parties need to be confronted. And both parties are differently bad. <laughs> like, they're yeah. differently bad. And the outcome is like, like, I used to explain this to, to folks when I was in the student movement, where, like, what's the difference between someone who is like, um, is like beating you? And in stealing your money or someone who's just slowly stealing your money, but apologizing for it every every fucking time they steal your money (laughs) like that. That's the difference between these two parties. And so, you know, you want to tell me that that it is so critical that we stop Andrew Scheer. Well, first of all, there is a third party. There is a fourth party in Quebec. There's a fifth party. Um, There are options. And even if your vote is not going to be cast for the person who wins, guess fucking what? It never is. I mean, we were also lied to by the Liberal Party that they would change the voting system, which they didn't do. So, like, people have to get it out of their minds that that the election is going to dictate the priorities of the parties going forward once they're elected. And what I mean by that is, like, we make the priorities. We're the ones that are supposed to be forcing certain priorities and certain... Um, uh, perspectives or whatever into action and whether that's a majority government or minority government and it looks like we might be a minority territory so people should feel good actually about not necessarily voting for power like we will have to be there no matter fucking what 
And if you're telling me that Sheer is so much worse than Trudeau in the face of these images, like, let me remind you what Trudeau represents. He represents an elite, extraordinarily wealthy section of Canadian society that wants to pay as as low taxes as possible, that doesn't necessarily want to see people die in the streets, but isn't going to do much to help stop that from happening either. So I have a real hard time with the sheer mongering telling everybody that we this doesn't matter because sheer is so much worse. They're cut from the same cloth. They're all they're, we're all we're all living in the same fucking tapestry in this country and guess fucking what? They all come from the same kinds of problems that we will have to confront no matter what. I also think that people need to understand like how uh, Canadian d- democracy works. Like so much of our media and understanding of politics comes from the American political landscape. And, you know, that's not our fault. Like our education system doesn't really attempt to to make us understand how Canada works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and, you know, American influence is everywhere. But a lot of people have been talking about like, oh, but Shear is the alternative, Shear is the alternative, as though... That really is the only alternative as it would be in the United States in this like two party system. But it's like so it's not the only alternative here. No, like it. There are several different types of configurations that could happen and frequently do happen, especially if we have a minority government situation, which this could be leading us into. And so for people who are like, literally, there's nothing else but sheer, like, open your minds. Remember how we got healthcare in this country. Remember how we got the pension plan in this country. These things, if you don't know, maybe just look it up. But like (laughs) our fucking education system should be teaching us this shit. But it was minority governments that brought these massive kind of social policy changes through where the balance of power was held by the NDP. And so just like think, do you like what the the liberal response to all of this shit all the time is like, you guys have no choice but to not hate us because otherwise you get the real racists. Andrew Scheer. Andrew Scheer will be like, you have to vote for us because, you know, you're going to get way worse than the liberals if you vote for the NDP or the Greens or whatever. Maxime Bernier is really trying to stay relevant, but we don't need him anymore. We've got other racists. And it's like, these aren't the only options. Like the, the fact that they're telling us this is a tactic and people need to understand it as a tactic. It's a tactic to make you ignore the other options that could force uh, a government that could truly get us something like childcare, that could truly get us something like pharmacare. Like if here's like here's another promise, right? Like that the liberals made, like that you know they were gonna uh, put forth pharmacare. Like where is it? Yeah. Like if they wanted to do it, they had a majority government. They're probably not gonna have a majority government anymore going into the the fall. If they wanted to do this type of shit, all the stuff that they're saying, like their record is so good on, they would have fucking done it. They have no intention of doing these things that are like so hard and really expensive and is gonna hurt their friends and and uh, the, these this big these big businesses or whatever. But if we remember that there is other options that can come from saying, actually, liberals, you're not going to get our vote because you have been, you not only have a fucking um, leader that promotes minstrelsy or has engaged in minstrel- minstrelsy, uh, you have a history, a record of 
uh, decisions that harm black and brown and indigenous communities. So nope, not going to give it to you and force a, a rise in other parties getting um, uh, votes that could form a minority government. Like, remember that that is another option that has happened in this country, not infrequently. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the 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 opposition to people voting in DP at this point is is completely flimsy. Like it it just comes down to prejudice, and I I mean prejudice like in general against the NDP, and likely direct prejudice against Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP. And so I the, all of the people who are just so gung ho about the Liberal Party, I mean, this is your fault. This is you are making palatable someone who should not be made palatable, and and you know nothing about Trudeau's ascendancy in this party has been a surprise and one of the things that um i'm not sure anyone really has focused on in the in the the pictures and then also in how he has used feminism uh in the same way to say that he's a feminist and all this kind of shit i mean that when that first picture came out like the way he had his hand around that woman's neck i'm not sure if that if if you noticed that yeah i sure did (laughs) yeah yeah like I was just thinking like back to my high school, like if I had ever seen a picture in the yearbook of a teacher with his hand around someone's neck, whether that woman's a student or another teacher, it doesn't really matter. It's like, wow, this is the kind of guy that like steers his girlfriend holding the back of her neck. My brother always said, you got to be careful of those guys because you know that there's something wrong with them. (laughs) You're walking down the street. And, And he did that and he did that so well on feminism and no one really noticed no one really called him out certainly the international media was all about how wonderful it is to have this feminist uh, prime minister um and uh and the canadian media was like lapping it up i mean it wasn't until maybe two or three years later that people were like oh maybe he's not really a feminist let's take a look at his at his policies or whatever and um and and so you have to ask yourself how many times am i willing to be played by a federal party how many times like, is it the the worst case scenario with the NDP is that they get elected, they full hold government and then nothing happens because they can't figure out how to get stuff through because they've never been in power. That's literally the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen with the liberals is that deportations continue to go up, that we continue to fund our war, uh, our war commitments around the world and like to the tune of billions of dollars, that nothing continues to happen, that people are still priced out of their homes and they're still priced out of their communities. I mean, that's the worst that can happen with yeah. the liberals. And I mean, like, the thing is, it's like the the whole like, don't don't switch your vote because from, you know, because Sheer will get into power. It's like even just mathematically, that doesn't make sense. If if the idea is that all the liberal voters, the people who voted liberal before are then going to vote NDP and that gives the, the conservatives a, a, ma- a majority, it, that doesn't that doesn't work because it, it still means that the majority of voters voted for liberal and NDP. And so it's a minority government. So stop listening to that bullshit. Just stop listening to it. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Now, this week also, of course, was a super bad week. We've alluded this already, but it was a super bad week for the, for the media, for the mm-hmm. Canadian media. And I think that we probably have to focus on that for the rest oh, well, of the well, I have, I have, before we get there, <laughs> I do have one more thing to say. One more thing to say to the listeners, okay? I, it's been, like, so weird to see how many people are willing to forgive this and to even like argue that it wasn't racism to just be like 
But it's not racism. It's like Justin Trudeau is saying that it's racism. The man who did it is like, I was racist. And people are like, is it racism? Is it? 2001 was a different time. And like, you know, he was, this isn't blackface. He was just trying to be Aladdin. And oh, there are other incidents. Okay, well, you know, he was really like, is it racism if he didn't know? He's, he's from Quebec, like all of this equivocating. And I've had like, I'm like, I, this is bizarre to see how many people uh, are equivocating on it. Like, I, it's, it's bizarre. Like, I shouldn't be surprised anymore on this stuff. But like, it's just like he has admitted it and still people are arguing about this. And I, I have to wonder if it's because people see themselves in this act. And someone who mm-hmm, I'm a friend mm-hmm. with on Facebook uh, posted something that was like the most revealing thing for me uh, to, to read uh, in all of the discussions that have been happening in the week. And he posted something that was like, I was wondering why people were having such a hard time um, accepting that this is racism. And then I remembered some of the things that we used to do in camp. And I went to, to a camp for um, when I was young. Uh, where a mostly wealthy white boys would be going to, and we engaged in some pretty unsavory, like official camp activities that are racist. And so he he posts this and is like, and so perhaps people are are seeing themselves in this and are having a hard time, and but it is racist and so on. And then some folks begin responding in the comments, and they're like, yeah, me too also engaged in this type of thing in camp. Oh, my camp used to do this. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) So I think that part of the problem is that people see this and see, like, understand that it's actually in the fabric of uh, what it, it means to have grown up white. And in Canada, that this is something that people may have engaged in or can see themselves in. And I don't know. I think that people really need to have like some serious reflection time on that. Like, is that what's really going on? I think it might be. Well, and this is where like if we had a media that could actually reckon with this properly and not probably be filled with shame because of all of the blackface memories in their own closet that they have. Like, there's no question that, like, Canadian white identity is premised on on white supremacy. And whether that supremacy is direct, as in you are better than people who are not white, or it's indirect, as in you have a right to do what you want to this land, you have a right to access whatever you want to access in this country, that you you are here and this is your your thing for the taking. That's all white supremacy. But the problem is, is that it is so ubiquitous that that actually identifying that for people who in good faith don't want to find out that they've actually been engaged in white supremacy. Figuring out ways for us to talk about that is not that easy or it takes a bit of a skill that are that the the national press landscape is not equipped to take on because what their job instead is to launder Canadian identity where they are consistently placing whiteness as the norm and non-whiteness as being outside of the norm or bizarre or something for us to be fearful of. And the fact that we, we have so few options, we white people have so few options to talk about this stuff and to understand how this forms 
every single thing about our daily interactions, what we understand about the school system, what we understand about our own experiences in the school system, how it relates to our implication to ongoing genocide or to ongoing colonialism. I mean, this is this is what I think is the most frightening for elites and, and why it's been so bad that this discussion has focused so much just on Trudeau, you know, is he a racist or not? Or is he sorry or is he not sorry? Is because the implications are so massive for Canadians. And because they're so massive, I think that's also why so many liberals are able to say so easily, well, this is not a big deal. Uh, because it's just, this is just how it is in Canada. And, uh, you know, when someone engages in something like this, that's not, it's not racist, because they didn't have an understanding of it being racist. And I, I'm not sure how we get out of this, like, short of like, like sticking dynamite to the doors of certain national newspapers in this country. Like, it's, it is a it is a, a an existential crisis I think for white Canada to come to terms with their own location in this and then once you come to terms with your location and it using that location to actually talk about this with other people and to make sense of it for other people because one of the ways that systemic racism remains so entrenched in Canada is because the white majority can claim honestly or they can lie about it that they don't see it and when you say you don't see it and someone says they see it, then the discussion becomes, well, then they're lying. That, that's not really true. That's not really what it's like. And I think that, that, I think that that's probably the biggest part of what Canadian identity is right now. <laughs> like that is, that is, that cuts to, like absolutely to the core of who we white people are in Canada. And getting us out of that mindset or that box is not easy, especially because political forces are, are, are exploiting it for us to stay even further in that box and close our eyes to what's going on and, and to be even more intensely clinging on to this white identity that, um, that when you look at objectively is actually meaningless. Yeah. The other thing maybe that we can focus on for the last little bit too is what should organizations be doing? Because some some organizations have put out some some statements. Yeah, some words. Some <laughs> <laughs> some some words on a screen or a paper that don't really say much, and I, like it is truly disappointing to me because. You know, I I don't know that we've had something such a mishap of of these staggering proportions in this a country's political landscape before, have we? Is there something else that matches us in both its its stupidity, like racism and like like worldwide reach of like utter ridiculousness? Uh, on the radio, classically, one white reporter was saying that he was kind of reminded of when Belinda Stronach crossed the floor. <laughs> That's not the same. <laughs> he he, he made it close. he made it clear that it didn't come too too close, but that was all he could think of. <laughs> I think I heard that. I think I heard that. I know what you're talking about. What a segment you were talking about, but yeah, there's nothing, and so we are creating the precedent for what happens next, right? Like we're we're creating. Uh, the the script for what happens when ultimately the liberals finally find something on the conservatives that is just as bad to put out because I know that that's what they're all working on right now or <laughs> when <laughs> when you know our our political system goes just as shit as like others and we get a, a true fascist in <laughs> and and we need to respond to some shit right like this is we're creating the blueprint 
okay with this blueprint. And the blueprint that's being created is it's like these these organizations that are putting out statements that are like, what a what a learning moment. What a great teachable moment for Canadians. We truly hope we 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 acknowledge that Justin Trudeau has apologized. And now we hope that the Liberal Party will will work to do more as we all should. But elect them first. <laughs> that is that is the tenor of most of these statements that are coming out which is unfucking believable to me. It's unbelievable. Perhaps they're just wondering what they should be doing. I don't know. But y'all, like if this is like I'm mm, you <laughs> there he should not be allowed to retain leadership. I'm sorry. He shouldn't. Like the whole top of the Liberal Party should be falling down right now. Like I don't understand yep. why people are allowing this to go through. And the way to do that, the way to force um, a change on this matter if you're truly as an organization interested in making that happen it's not to put out a statement that says literally nothing like just don't waste your comms people's times like put out a statement that says something like we will not meet with the leadership of the, the liberal party on some issues until you um, show us that you're changing and one of those things is to commit to this, that, the other, like make make them commit to certain policy changes and tell them that he's got to go. Like, be forceful on this stuff. Like, what do you like? You folks are powerful as organizations, uh, whether it's um, you know, like policy organizations or labor organizations or what have you. Like, you folks are powerful. Like, you are what props up the Liberal Party. Like, people point to you to say, see. They're not that upset with us. They just want us to get a little bit better. And as a result, we are still good. Like you are important. So say something of import, like use your power to shift what's happening in the Liberal Party. Otherwise, what good are you? Come on. This precedent sucks. Yeah, especially because from a like even a purely strategic political perspective, like now is when they need to pivot to something good. <laughs> like now is is literally your best chance to get a promise that is a fundamental promise or that could that could be transformational or something like that. You know, they already pivoted to gun control and even the gun control promise is not what Canada needs. It doesn't go far enough. No, not at all. Oh, that's a whole other thing that we maybe should talk about later. But like that, it was just so I was like, gun control, really? That's what they're going to pivot to? And and there, there's not a strong enough organization out there to say why that doesn't make sense. Well, and you know what? And I want to say like Pauli Sousouvien has been doing that work. Um, they, they do it in English and French. That's the group of survivors from Ecole Polytechnique of the shooting of uh, the in uh, it. Uh, in December six, on December six, nineteen eighty nine, but it's not enough, and and the and the 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 connections that have to be made in this country between um, these tr like quote unquote tough on crime and gun control and all this kind of stuff, and then the actual reality that's existing within our cities, which is what poverty, boredom, uh, lots of social problems that are being fueled by an out of control market that is pushing people out of their homes and pushing people to extremes. I mean, there is nothing, as we said last week on the show, there is nothing about the cost of living in this budget, in this budget, oh my God, in this election. There's nothing for renters. There's nothing about how fucking hard it has become to live in a lot of these cities. And 
gun control is connected to that crime is connected to that and all we've got is bill fucking blair who uh, it would be impossible to expect bill blair to come up with a policy that doesn't suck and so if you're an organization right now write those fucking policies and give it to them and say we expect we expect you to adopt these things we expect you to change your policies on this kind of stuff because too often civil society has just kind of looked at politics and it's like well this is their game they have their own strategy they already have their platform figured out but it's like no no now is the time that you actually can influence that and and if you also can call for the for the resignation of the leader over something that has been so internationally focused on and and proof that he's really not a great prime minister uh yeah where you should get you got to do it why are you not doing that (laughs) do it gosh like oh could you imagine working in an organization where you have to meet with him in the fall as like if I if I was like I I like if he get got elected and then I had to like sit in a meeting with him in December I'd be like oh it's you the blackface one like I it's just so like I don't <laughs> want what no have you he have you ever gone. met with him before I don't think so no okay. I don't think so so I got dragged into meeting with him um, when we were in the student movement and I remember the meeting very, very well because we were making arguments about how expensive higher education is and all this kind of stuff. And he looked at us straight, straight in the face and he's like, I had to work to pay off my higher education. You can do it too. I know it's hard, but you just have to work really hard. He said, what <laughs> now? He, he said, excuse who? What? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. And so I remember I was like... I was like, look, here's the difference. Did you say we your know father, who you are? Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, like, your father was the Prime Minister of Canada. My father, great man, uh, librarian. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a librarian. Are you, like, it was, it was so clear he was completely out to lunch on what average people want. So, like, even the obsession with his, uh, with his appearance and his, and his brand and all this kind of stuff, it is hurting the party, <laughs> clearly. So maybe that's our free advice is, uh, hey, where the organizations can't call for it, we can say it. Liberal Party, put someone else in there. <laughs> 100%. Like, we all know why he was put there in the first place. Yeah. Okay. He served Your his purpose. He was falling apart. I mean, they probably knew all of this shit at the time that they made this decision. They're like, guys, guys, we've got nothing. Our party is falling apart. The NDP is the official opposition. People are saying this is our death knell. What What do we have in our bag of tricks? What's left? the name Trudeau god damn it but he's not smart and he's got all this stuff in his past and it's like guys let's do some political calculus will it really matter in the end in this country we call Canada or will people just look to the Trudeau mania and the prince of this country or whatever and be like this is the man and can we get some people to style him as Canada Bay and they did a political calculus that was like "Mm, yeah we could eat that we could eat that shit that he's not smart and we could eat that shit that he's done all of this terrible stuff in the past and we'll we'll try to bank on that Trudeau name. And it worked. OK, you don't need that anymore. It's not working anymore. Just, you know, pick somebody else. Yeah, um, I do want to mention one other thing. And this goes back to my my anger with the media. Um, so I was listening to CBC radios, The House yesterday morning. And I don't know. Do you listen to that show? No, I do not. It is aggravating, and I do not recommend anybody listen to it. It is nothing but talking heads and talking points from from uh, from politicians who never get challenged. But I, I tuned in, and there was a conversation between Chris Hall, the host, and Sri Pratikar from the Toronto Star, and Erica Eiffel from 
another podcast that's cool, Bad and Bitchy. And they're talking about uh, whether or not the media is too white. And it's a great it's a great segment. You should definitely look it up. Oh, and cool. so they go through this. Yeah, so they go through this thing. I mean, Hall is like out of his league and he can't ask the right questions. But but Shri like really brings the conversation back to historical roots and that context that we were talking about earlier. And it was is great. And so the segment ends and I'm like making my coffee and I'm like getting ready for the day, whatever. It's Saturday morning. Guess what they follow the segment up with? Oh, fuck. I don't know what. And what would be the what would be the, the worst thing to follow that segment up with? Or who? A panel of white dudes? I don't know. How about one white dude who's running for a a racist federal party? Oh, shut up. Maxime? Really? (laughs) Yeah. Are you kidding? No, it was stunning. It was stunning. I was stunned. Like, I don't expect much from the house, but this was unbelievable. And so, so Chris Hall interviews Maxime, like, asking, like, what he thinks are really tough questions. Except they're not tough questions because, like, Maxime's proud to be a racist, right? So you can't ask a racist, well, aren't you a bit ashamed to be a racist? It's like, well, no, I'm a fucking racist. Why would I be ashamed? You're like, whoa, that was a good response. Okay, next question. (laughs) So he, he, Maxime Bernier was let, I think I might make a complaint to the CBC ombudsman on this because this was really, this was really egregious. He claimed on the, on the questions about immigration and why do you want to reduce immigration? Bernier's like, we can't. We can't let in any more immigrants. There's just not enough uh, space or some bullshit uh, in Canada. And if you in the halls, like, well, what's your proof of that? He says, well, if you look at Toronto and uh, and uh, Vancouver, where they all go, there's a housing crisis. And, and the housing crisis is because there's this influx of, of immigrants. And rather than saying, whoa, 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 that's completely fucking false. That's a total lie. What you just said was lies. You're lying on the public broadcaster. Wow. Chris Hall's like, okay, I want to ask you, you know, you came into this race talking about surf- fiscal conservatism and balancing the books. Why don't you focus on that? Isn't that a better uh, message than, um, than focusing on immigration? That's ridiculous. So he's just allowing him to campaign on the air. That's great. That's good. Great. That's all it was. And at the end, Chris Hall is like, well, well, this was we're in for a lively debate. And then Bernie is like, thanks so much, Chris, for the practice. And it was like two white guys who have absolutely no um, fear about what the rhetoric that comes from Bernie is going to do to them. So everybody at the fucking house at CBC, fuck you. I hope your fucking show gets canceled. I'm going to laugh when it gets fucking canceled because you're fucking fucking it up. And I hope that you guys apologize for that because it was reckless. It was really reckless journalism. And especially to have gone right from an actually thoughtful, interesting conversation only because of the guests that you had on the air, by the way, not because of of the talent of Chris Hall. To go from that into, into an interview with Maxime Bernier was so classic CBC that I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So that's my little rant. Dear media, get it together. Get like change up your newsrooms. It is not difficult. Like these people are smart. These black and brown folks, these indigenous folks, they are smart. They will make the news better and you won't have to keep being embarrassed by your reckless, shitty content. (laughs) 